Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 36. In this episode, you'll want to make sure to turn your computer off before midnight, because we'll be talking about the second most overhyped catastrophe of 1999, <laughs> right behind Star Wars Episode 1, Y2J. I, I mean, K. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> Oh, gosh, Y2J was the best thing to come out of the countdown of the new millennium. Didn't his countdown clock end in August? Anyway. That's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Stop trying to ruin my point, Paul. <laughs> Drink it in, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just made the list. If you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I talked about mouth-watering gushers. You can find that in all our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. I find mine in that mysterious zone where your socks always seem to disappear in the washing machine. The negative zone? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you put your socks, so... (laughs) Oh, moving on... We really appreciate our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on the air as a way to say thank you. Thank you. So here's this week five star review it's from thomas it says hello i'm a new listener of the podcast and i'm loving it (laughs) keep up the fantastic work thanks thomas yeah thank you thomas uh as always five star reviews are encouraged from everybody be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves podcast all right let's get it started This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on Y2J. Wait, no. I don't think that's right. Y2K? (laughs) Yeah. L M N O P? Arm bars? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's just go over the list of a thousand holds. Let's shall we? We have arm bar? Rear naked choke? So, wasn't, wasn't B2K a thing at some point? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I think that was like it was a it was a boy band. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sounded like some weird millennium thing that Burger King would have done. <laughs> yeah, we're hip guys. We're B two K. Burger two King. <laughs> <laughs> Burger two thousand 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 thousand. <laughs> well, remember, guys, we're gonna be picking next episode's topic at the end of the show. In a little game we like to call Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia Combat! It's going to be me with Mighty Max, the TV series, and Paul with Teen Wolf, the movie. We'll also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Adam. So, Adam, tell us about Y2K. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yep, you have. Okay. okay. Darn. So, Y2K. Uh, this was an interesting, I'd call it like a pop culture phenomenon. Would would that fit well with what you guys think? 
Well, it depends. Are we talking <laughs> about it as a technological issue, or are we talking about everything to do with the turn of the new millennia? I would say the response to it was definitely... Uh, yeah, know. that's kind of more of where, oh, that's I, fair. Yeah, where I was thinking. So y- Y2K you know, is just an abbreviation for the year 2000, but more importantly, the Y2K phenomenon came about because computer scientists at the time were not sure how computers would respond once it rolled over to the year 2000 and so they were afraid that instead of going forward to the year 2000 that the computers would instead go back to the year 1900 that would cause widespread catastrophe as various like important systems that were hooked up to computers would fail as a result of the computers basically having a spaz attack over how how <laughs> yeah. to how to figure right. out how to address this year 2000 issue and, and it wasn't and so it, much a speculated problem it was a known problem because any computer system from like the 60s and 70s had you know you had a limited amount of memory to work with when compiling so they intentionally left out the first two digits and used 32 bit in integers for the value right and so in test systems they did completely fail yeah okay. so so in layman's terms what what that means for dummies like me <laughs> uh is that you know if a computer system was developed in 1970 you know everything in that system would be notated for year as seven zero yes you know anything that was in yeah. in 1994 would be 94 they didn't include the first two years because why would you that's so far away and it would take up a lot of valuable space on your hard drive or mainframe but when you get to 2000 that's why it would go back to the year 1900 um, theoretically is it would go back to the year zero zero so what is like what would happen um Mm -hmm. you know would everything just reset you know like Paul mentioned, there there were some tests that were done that kind of showed that it was not going to be a good thing. So now the worst yeah. thing was more actually wasn't that the system completely failed; it was that it kept working and gave you invalid data. So, for instance, a loan calculation would become insoluble because it would go over a span of a hundred years because its origin origination date would be from ninety eight to nineteen oh one. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little bit of an issue. Uh, so, really, the phenomenon came about then from kind of the ensuing panic doomsday scenario kind of thing where the computer scientists were speculating, oh, you know, this could cause, say, massive issues for infrastructure like think uh, things like power grids or nuclear reactors think things like uh, nuclear missiles uh, things like that so they weren't sure what was going to happen and so the idea was that this could lead to a catastrophic system failure where basically all computer technology was wiped out or uh, malfunctioned and we would go into this like i guess uh Oh, Mad Max kind of scenario? I don't know. <laughs> I was yeah. geared up for it too, man. I had the <laughs> bathtub full of water, the stocked gasoline. 
Well, actually, that's I that's unplugged a... my VCR at midnight. That's the only <laughs> time it was ever correct because you unplug <laughs> that bitch right at midnight. You plug it back in, and boom, twelve zero zero. It's on time. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was really kind of the important thing with this, and what made it such a phenomenon was the ensuing uh, panic. That ended up in almost like a doomsday scenario for a lot of people. So much like, uh, you know, the 2012 Mayan prophecy or the, uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was like back in like 2008, 2009, CERN turned on the Large Hadron Collider for the first time. And there was fears that it was going to cause a black hole to open up at the center of the earth and swallow everything. Right, uh, right. Believe it or not, neither of those things actually happened. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, I, I was shocked when I read that. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I know I was doing I was doing my research and I was like, oh my god, the world didn't end back in two thousand twelve. Yes, I'd be shocked if you did read it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so the the big phenomenon then came from this kind of doomsday prep kind of thing where people were buying up, you know, stockpiles of, like Paul said, water and canned food and uh, all this stuff because people legitimately thought there was going to be some sort of like nuclear meltdown or nuclear explosion or fallout, what have you. There was going to be catastrophic system failures and we wouldn't have electricity anymore or whatever. Yeah, and then you think about, you know, that was right at the time where people were really, truly investing in banks and credit cards yep. and all this stuff yep. wirelessly for the, you know, I mean, obviously they started doing that in like the 70s and 80s. Everyone was doing it in the late 90s and mm-hmm. be like, wow, I'll literally have no money and no way to pay for anything. Well, it was the um, dot com boom. It was the it was the transition from, you know, people always having cash into their wallet to today where it's like, crap, does anybody have a dollar? Anybody? I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I have a quarter because no, nothing will take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Just the damn parking meter, and that's it. And most yeah. of those have apps now too. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, downtown Grand Rapids has apps for every one of their parking meters now. Yep. Thank God, that was awful trying to find change out of there. <laughs> now I only have to dig through my car if I'm ever like jonesing for a soda in the middle of the day, and it's like. Crap! I need a dollar twenty-five, and I don't even have cash on me. Go out and <laughs> dig for uh, quarters and nickels and dimes. <laughs> oh man, somebody's gonna have to go back and get a crap load of dimes. <laughs> it sort of became, like you said, it was this whole pop culture phenomenon, and the hysteria was part of it. But then you have to look at the parodies that came from it too, because some of the oh, greatest sure. entertainment I can remember, and it's it's almost hard to explain to some of our listeners that might have been born in like 2005 that you know didn't experience it but there were it literally on new year's eve there was a group of people standing butt naked on a hilltop because they thought this was the rapture yep and it's <laughs> yep. not yeah. like this was like a you know small thing with a bunch of crazies it literally was mass hysteria and mm-hmm. what when you have that type of scenario, some of the greatest humor comes out of it. And you had Conan O'Brien doing his In the Year 2000 segments. He the Simpsons parodied it, did a great parody. Family Guy, um, <laughs> SNL. I mean, it was amazing. Yep. So yep. one in particular that I really liked, 
Um, and this kind of goes to illustrate exactly how people were responding was in the late 90s, the Dilbert comic strip actually had a TV series on UPN, like an animated series. And it was fantastic. It's one of my favorite series like ever. Uh, it may have only been on for a season or two, but uh, hopefully we get that in the hopper one of these days. But there was an episode, it was episode nine. Uh, it was literally called Y2K. And it's all about responding to that. And anyone who's not familiar with Dilbert, I mean, he's the weird looking guy with the, the curved tie and the glasses that's an engineer. And the whole thing was about their computers were all brand new at his company, but they were all plugged into a really outdated mainframe. And nobody knew how to fix the code in the mainframe to get everything up to date, except for Wally, who is notoriously the laziest worker <laughs> on the planet um, and had no idea. He, he couldn't remember at all how to do it. But in the beginning of the episode, you know, Alice, who's kind of the, the tough lady in the group, um, she's talking about her concerns with Y2K and she's going to rob a military armory and all this stuff and stockpile weapons because... <laughs> Obviously, when all the banks and everything shut down, people are going to be looting like crazy, you know. Um, and meanwhile, Wally, he's buying up every single major credit card that he can. He's getting all of these like home loans, even though he doesn't own a house and like, you know, hoping to get the max. Uh, what do you call it? Mass equity. Yeah. Mass equity and, and max cash advance. He possibly can. And then, you know, they won't ever be able to collect it because the computers will melt down or whatever. So it's a fantastic episode, though. But the mainframe, if I remember correctly, was named Black Betty. And <laughs> they, they had to they had to hypnotize Wally so he could remember how to reprogram it. Um, <laughs> like regression therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as you can imagine, Dogbert, so Dogbert is Dilbert's dog. He was the hypnotist. Um, as you can imagine, he went through many, many, many embarrassing things, uh, making him go around like a chicken and things like that before he uh, finally got him to remember. As they say, hilarity ensues. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what else uh, that do you guys a good remember from, uh, from Y2K, from, from the last minutes of 1999? My favorite uh, SNL weekend update Sorry, just on the Delbert yeah. was uh, for weekend update. They one was when Boris Yeltsin retired. It was Boris Yeltsin announced his retirement from presidency of Russia today. When we are forced to wonder if he was checked for Y two K compliancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Who would have been the weekend update anchor at that point? Uh I don't remember. I just remember the joke. <laughs> I don't think it was Norm. That would have been past Norm. Nor yeah, Norm was in the early 90s. Huh. Now I have to go look it up. It wouldn't have been Tina Fey yet. She was a little later than that. Who was in between? Uh, I don't know. Paul <laughs> Paul Paul will do some research Jimmy for Fallon. The... <laughs> oh, it probably was. It probably was honest. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Which worked because be. I laughed in the middle of my own joke. I, <laughs> I I try to forget that Jimmy Fallon was the host of that. That's not very nice. I like I, Jimmy Fallon. He's gotten better. Hey. <laughs> so uh what about you brian did you have any memories of the like the lead up to the hysteria or, or anything about the actual night of 
We uh we never really did anything for New Year's growing up. We never like went out or anything. Like maybe we'd yeah, go see a same. movie during the day or something like that. But beyond that, like we never really did anything. But I just remember being at my mom's house with her and my stepdad and my brother. Um, and I think my stepbrother and sister were there too. And then we got a bunch of pots and pans and hit them with wooden spoons at midnight. And we had all the <laughs> I lights here to say you were wearing yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. We were wearing pots and pans in case anything bad happened. Tin foil hats. <laughs> right, right. We want to be as like highly conductive to electricity as possible, just in case. No, but we literally, if I remember correctly, we had all the lights off in the house except for the TV. Just in case? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember if it was intentional or not, or if it was just like my... My parents being kind of silly about it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Intentionally egging us on. I, I'm not sure. but So the whole thing with the pots and pans on the head thing just reminded me of uh, <laughs> Hitchh- Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at the beginning when uh, Ford Prefect is telling the people at the bar that the world's about to end. The bartender goes, should we put bags over our heads? If it makes you feel any better. Does <laughs> it help? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut back and they all have bags over their heads. <laughs> They're just laying right. on the ground with bags on their heads. <laughs> uh, calmest bunch of people on Doomsday, though. I will give them that. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what about you, Paul? Did you have any other, uh, like, do you remember what you were doing that night or uh, other than unplugging your VCR? Which certainly dates you right there. <laughs> uh, I actually know exactly what I was doing. And the reason why I know is so every year my parents would have a New Year's party and they would have a bunch of friends over and um, we would play trivia. And it was normally more of just an adult thing. And then the kids got stuck, you know, they got relegated to the kids table. And that would be the, those would be the nights that I would go watch South Park or whatever, because nobody was going to come check on me as long as I was quiet. <laughs> nice. And, uh, so they actually let me play trivia. And that was the start of my love of like competitive trivia, because a lot of the questions was crap. I was learning in grade school. So at the time I was kicking ass. Nice. But uh, when it got to the new year's countdown and uh, it hit the year 2000, I remember there was a gentleman there and I can't remember his name, but he was like legitimately shocked that the world didn't end. (laughs) <laughs> and I will never forget that, that he actually truly believed that that was going to be the end right there. Like, he was ready. <laughs> he had made peace, huh? Yep. It's kind of like that scene on uh, Almost Famous, where they're on the airplane, and they hit a bunch of turbulence, and they think the plane's going to crash. And, oh, yeah. And uh, everyone's, like, confessing everything. Like, oh, you know, I slept with your wife, and oh, I, I love you, and blah, 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 and the... And then the drummer finally shouts, like, I'm gay! And then the plane stops shaking. <laughs> and the pilot opens the cockpit. He leans back. He's like, you guys, I think we're going to make it. And he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, you, you know, one of the things we had talked about was uh, that people thought, you know, all these systems were going to, like, catastrophically fail Obviously they didn't. We were fine. We made it out of uh, made it into the year 2000 fine. But there were actually some things that did happen. Uh do you guys remember hearing about or reading about any of the uh issues that did happen? Well, real quick, 
But before we talk about the issues that did happen, just something yeah. that leading into that. So it's kind of remembered as being like a big, you know, like misnomer, like, hey, well, you know, we survived. Nothing really happened. But the effort that went into actually making it so nothing happened was quite, you know, excessive. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bill- this was years and years of of manpower to make sure that nothing happened right they started in so in nine basically what in 97 is when it sort of hit the public and people started talking about it and then there was actually a british uh newscast that more or less gave it like that apocalyptic vision and that was the start of the hysteria and that actually caused bill clinton to declare a state of emergency and they formed a council um, I do remember that specifically with the intent of patching um, uh, Y2K related issues. And over the course of 21 months, we spent a hundred billion dollars becoming <laughs> Y2K compliant. Wow. Jeez. And there was so much stuff to that needed to be updated. And a lot of these systems, so like, you know, it came down to a lot of systems in government work. If it, if it works, they don't change it. Um, same is true in education. If it's working, it just doesn't get changed. If you don't yep. believe me, the school district is still using a Commodore 64 to control their heating and cooling because oh. it has worked. <laughs> oh my god that's incredible that's not a joke if you google m live commodore 64 you'll read a story about a local school system that is still using that to power their hvac look but, at it up right now uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we spent a hundred billion dollars prepping for it and so of these systems the biggest one that everybody was afraid of was air traffic control from the FAA because a lot of those were run by they ran on IBM mainframes that were designed and put in place in the late 60s early 70s and it was confirmed in a lab at IBM that they would fail Yeesh. And so they that was one that was the probably the biggest undertaking but then the second one that was probably more scary was the stock market and not just our stock market for trading but internationally as well because they're all interconnected as far right. as you know trade as far as trade value so it only took one screw up from someone else and the market could crash yeah, uh, which w- wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like, what happened the last time the stock market crashed? <laughs> <laughs> so there were so many of these systems in place uh, all over that it required us to out. This was the beginning of outsourcing uh, software to India because the U.S. didn't have enough programmers, let alone programmers that knew, you know, like old COBOL and um, mainframe applications um all kinds of stuff that just predated even most people working in the industry. Because if it's not broken, don't fix it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the software that was written, I mean, part of the reason that this whole memory issue was a problem is because the person started writing the program in 1962. It was adopted by 1972. And the person that wrote it never planned for it to be in existence in 99. And it's scary how many of these apps are still out there. I mean, one there's a whole company um, 
that's it's a subsidiary of attachment that their whole main product is they do terminal emulation so you can still hmm. run those legacy apps on modern equipment and continue using them because so many business softwares are still doing this that's scary <laughs> but i i say this whole backstory because i believe we have um, the top 10 list of things that actually did go wrong during the changeover. And to think of the actual potential that could have happened and only being able to find 10 or 15 things that actually went wrong. It's, it's kind of impressive, but that's really kind of what, that's kind of why it's like people always go, well, that was a big scare and you know, nothing really happened. It's like, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be like, uh, you know, a hurricane coming through and the building's doing fine. It's like, oh, well, they were fine. It was like, yeah, well, the hurricane you didn't think about really the... wasn't that bad. Yeah. yeah it was like, well, you didn't think about all the design that went into making sure that they'd stand after a hurricane or those right. force winds. Exactly. Yeah, the lemonade stand didn't do so hot, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because the kid used balsa wood. What an idiot. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, so let's, let's get started. So these are the top <laughs> 10 actual failures of the Y2K bug. So the first one was that the United States Naval Observatory, the date on the website went to 19,100. <laughs> so we went from 1999 to 19,100 19 to 19,100. <laughs> <laughs> so that what makes, makes sense. <laughs> what makes that extra hilarious for the listeners that are not familiar with the USNO or the United States Naval Observatory, they are the official timekeeper for the united states <laughs> so what you're telling us is this is a problem <laughs> maybe it was probably it. just some you know bad html code and it was you know reading the date wrong i don't know but yeah i just think it's so funny that that was the big worry of it going from 99 to 00, zero and instead this went from 1999 to 1900. <laughs> so the one, I just love that. One of the things that I never understood about people going, well, it'll run over to 1900. What, what I never understood about that, and um, maybe that was just the news way of explaining, you know, like the news anchors way of explaining it in layman's terms, but most computer systems do their time by epoch time. And that epoch time, epoch Unix time is the number of seconds that have passed since January 1st, 1970. So if, so why would it go back to 1900? Exactly. When it started at 1970. Now, given there were systems that, you know, were in place before 1970, but I would say probably the majority of the systems that would have been running at the time probably used epoch. So, it would have been, they should have gone back to 1970, but in the few failures that happened, it seemed like it was all over the board. And I'm sure we'll cover some of those in a minute. So uh, apparently the Japanese small planes monitoring system failed, but luckily no planes were harmed. <laughs> so that's always a, a positive, but scary when none of the systems work. In Australia, the national bus ticket printing system failed, making it impossible for people to get bus passes for up to a week. Whoa. Oh, man. that's That would not be a fun walk if you can't ride the bus in <laughs> Australia. That'd be a hot just walk. A, just take a kangaroo. Ass, cash, or grass. Because <laughs> we ain't taking a pass. <laughs> 
So, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago couldn't transfer $700,000 worth of tax payments. Uh, thankfully, it did work on January 2nd, though, so it was a very <laughs> short-lived issue, but that had to be a, a little bit of a butt-cheek clencher right there when they realized <laughs> that $700,000 couldn't be transferred. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, there was Apple-written software for a, a Dutch banking system, and it ended up preventing people from post-dating their electronic payments. So, I never knew that Apple wrote bank software, and I find it more hilarious. They did it for a foreign country. <laughs> that well, does seem kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, several nuclear reactors in the U.S. had minor glitches at midnight. This was related to embedded chips that their code could not be altered, but nothing blew up. That's good, considering there is a nuclear reactor not that far from Grand Rapids, like an hour away from here? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we would have been in the radius of some something going down. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't easy being green. <laughs> yeah, That's no right. kidding. Okay, here we go. Really dating ourselves here. Hotmail and Internet Explorer started to display the year 3900, so 3900. <laughs> so even in 2000, Internet Explorer was still the worst web browser to use. <laughs> I don't know. Hotmail is up there, man. Like, what's up with Hotmail? <laughs> I don't understand, like, how that change happened because the 19100 makes sense to me. Yeah, that was logical. 3900, like, how that happened. <laughs> Well, I I, see, I thirty nine hundred to me makes more sense than nineteen one hundred because in a date value using a date call function, why are you returning more than four values? That's true. I'm assuming so it's thirty nine hundred is at least the appropriate number of integers. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm just assuming that there must be two sets of two integers. So. It, Hmm, that wouldn't work. I was going to say, so how many years would that have been from 1970? But it wasn't 39 at that point. And I feel old thinking about what the number is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a customer at New York State Video Rental had a bill for $91,250 for 100 years of late fees. <laughs> <laughs> for oh. the, and the movie was uh the general's daughter starring john travolta <laughs> Man, that is not... those new releases folks <laughs> that, that that movie was not worth paying ninety one thousand dollars for i don't even know if john travolta made ninety one thousand dollars to be in that movie <laughs> if oh. i had that bill i think i would frame it <laughs> oh, yeah if i got that bill i would have been wishing that the world had ended the day before like are you kidding me i gotta pay ninety one thousand dollars i don't have that kind of money on me well could you imagine being like the call center operator that was like collecting on that bill <laughs> <laughs> sir it like, looks like right. <laughs> it looks like you have a hundred years of back pay on this movie that came out like a year ago <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
The last guy was like 20 bucks. I thought that was a lot, but 91,000. This guy takes the cake. <laughs> you can't just get a new address if you owe someone $91,000. You can't just, yeah. you know, show That's up and be like, yeah, my address is this and my phone number is this. I'm not that guy. That doesn't work with $91,000. No, they're sending in like the National Guard for that. <laughs> Can I just buy the movie instead? <laughs> I'll settle out that way. Deal's a deal. Here, here, here's 20 bucks. Just take the movie. <laughs> I'm sure that's what John Travolta said too when it came out. <laughs> here's tw- here's twenty bucks. Just make it go away. I'll sign your Battlefield Earth poster. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man, that was an interesting film. What was the movie where he was an angel? Uh, Michael. 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 Yep. That's it. Yep. Yep. I forgot. That about was that actually movie. a pretty decent flick. Yeah, Battlefield Earth. On the other hand, was not. No, not not so good. No, not so good. So in South Korea, uh, courts mailed out form letters summoning 170 people to court on <laughs> January 4th, 1900. <laughs> <laughs> and then the police station issued 170 bench warrants. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I'm joking about the bench warrants, but, uh... you know. Because you're 100 years late to court. (laughs) Once again, they're sending in the heavy guns for that. (laughs) They're just going to send a slip in the mail. (laughs) This is the worst parking ticket ever. (laughs) Uh, U.S. spy satellites transmitted unreadable data for three days. (laughs) Seems like a problem. Uh, This was actually caused by a patch designed to fix the Y2K bug. I'm not 100% so, mm-hmm. positive, but I'm assuming someone didn't convert meters to yards again. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know what uh, Paul is referencing there, at one point, NASA was trying to land a uh, module on Mars, and uh, someone forgot to convert. It was feet to yards, right? Yep. Or... or no, uh, it was can... me- it was meters to yards, I believe. Meters was, to yards, I apologize. It was metric to U.S. standard, because... It... Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're trying to convert meters to yards. Something happened in the conversion where it didn't do it right. So instead of coming in at like a nice landing pace, it hit the surface of Mars like it was an alien plane crashing <laughs> into the lunar surface. It just came in, at, you know, going thousands of miles per hour, hitting the surface of Mars. <laughs> Didn't work out so well. I don't think the Mars rover made it. <laughs> I, yeah, no. that's quicker than you can lose money in Vegas right there. That was $100 million <laughs> burning up in an instant. Yep. <laughs> All Jeez. because of one mathematical error. All because, <laughs> when did the U.S. adopt the metric system? Because it, it is our official system. I'm trying to remember the year. Was it like 83? It the, is? Yeah. I have no idea. You can you can look up congressional record. We officially adopted the metric system and then never implemented it, or we're still implementing it. One of the two, but that was that was like when we were in first and second grade. That's why there was that big push all of a sudden for us to start learning uh, centimeters and metric in general. I don't know don't if you remember, remember that when, at the, all. when the curriculum changed and we had to start doing the little cube counting thing, and it became oh yeah. 
You remember the cube stuff, right? That was all I because we were supposedly in the process of converting to the metric system. And huh. remember when we were kids, too, they were putting up all the uh, – they started to put up, uh, like, secondary speed limit signs. So in small numbers at the bottom, it said, you know, kilometers per hour. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. And then it just went away. Yeah. But officially, as far as the you know rest of the world is concerned for public record, the United States uh, honors the metric system. Do, I have no idea still... how many liters of gas go in my car, but we're <laughs> metric. Do we still uh, do that thing where we have, like, on the uh, speedometer on your car, it tells you the miles per hour and kilometers per hour? Since they switched to digital, kinda and no, you can. So with a lot of newer speedometers, if they're digital, you can go through a menu and change them. But they, I mean, oh, okay. they've done away with the, you know, all the mechanical ones that had it, you know, kilometers on one side, miles per hour on the other. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. I guess I never really knew that's why we were doing that. I thought they just really wanted us to play with cubes. Nope. If you <laughs> if you Google it, we are officially metric. Huh, learned something new today. You'd think I would know this being a history teacher, but that somehow escaped me. I don't think it comes up in world history much. I think world history covers the things that actually took place. While, you know, <laughs> this is more something where we said we were going to do something, and then we just closed the curtain and go, yep, we're doing it. <laughs> I brushed my teeth, Dad, I promise. <laughs> Congratulations, America, we're metric! Wait, what's kilometers per hour again? <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry about it. I don't know. $1.19 per liter sounds a lot better than, you know, $3 <laughs> per gallon. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Man, I'd really kill for a liter of cola right now. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, the crazy thing, I remember um, we had a friend in high school who was from Canada, and the car that he had was Canadian, and I didn't think about it but his speedometer was in kilometers uh so i remember driving with him and i thought he was going a little fast and it was like a 35 mile an hour road and i looked down at the speedometer he's going like nearly 70 you know <laughs> kilometers per hour <laughs> but i'm like holy cow man you gotta slow down dude you're gonna get a speeding ticket <laughs> when really he was probably going like 41 in a 35 <laughs> I'm not sure what the conversion is, but it's definitely not as scary as it sounded. I think that's definitely something that's lost even in our generation. I don't know if you guys had experiences like this too, but so my dad had this old crappy car that he drove for years as most of the, you know, male patriarchs of the, or all, all males are paid. You know what I mean? As the patriarch of the yep. family, you drive the crappy car because everybody else should get the safer car, right? I mean, that's just generally how it sort of works. Yeah. And right. So my dad had this old old crappy Buick that the speedometer on it, I don't think worked in my lifetime, but he would just look at how many RPMs he was doing and he knew how fast he was going. That's impressive. And I that know a lot impressive. of people of similar age that I have seen be able to do the same thing. And that is not a skill I ever acquired. Or yeah, some folks I know can like just figure out when the gas tank is empty too. Like, 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 yep, uh, I haven't filled it up in about, oh, let's see, 300 miles, da 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 Okay, it's going to be empty soon. 
Man, if I didn't have that little arrow telling me it was empty, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Even when the car starts sputtering, I'm not quite getting that the fuel's low. <laughs> like, huh, what's wrong with my car? <laughs> the engine's making all these weird noises. Like, huh, did I, I didn't hit something, did I? Like, maybe maybe the, the rust on my car is being weird? What's going on here? <laughs> Well, I know that, like, for a GM vehicle, spec is a new car off the line should be able to go 400 miles on a tank. So that one I kind of get, you know, I, I kind of right. understand that one. But then, of course, you know, when you got to the cars that we were driving in high school, like, for instance, my uh, 79 Cutlass, um, you don't trust the gas gauge, and it sure as hell did not go 400 miles on a tank. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I was lucky that <laughs> the tank got me out of the driveway. <laughs> so that actually happened with me once, not being able to trust the gas tank gauge, apparently, uh, with a car that actually me and Paul both owned at one point. Uh, my, my first car was a 1994 Ford Explorer that I bought off of a family friend and uh, eventually later sold it to Paul. But I remember... I was headed out to where Grand Valley University is one night, and I think it was before I was actually going to Grand Valley, maybe, but um, I was headed out that way because there was a restaurant nearby that I was meeting some friends at, and like, if you're not from the Grand Rapids area, if you've never been out there, there is about a mile and a half to two mile stretch where there's nothing like literally you're on the side of like essentially what would be a highway almost where it's two lanes going either way but there is a like the edge of a bridge kind of railing thing that goes along the entire stretch of this so there's no real place to get off the road if you have any car issues and there's nothing nearby and it's a it's kind of a valley so when you're coming from one side you're going downhill then you get to the bottom and then you're going uphill so this would not be an easy situation and Some might even call it a grand valley uh, <laughs> I knew that as soon as I said valley that's I knew that was gonna happen uh, and then to, to boot it was like in the middle of winter it wasn't snowing if I remember correctly but it was really cold out and I get like to this spot where I'm in the, like, there's nothing within a couple miles of where I'm about to be. And all of a sudden my car starts sputtering. I look down at my gas gauge and it says there's still a quarter of a tank. So I'm like, what the heck? Like looking around, you know, is, did I hit something? Cause that car had random issues. Like at one point, the, yeah, uh, one of the <laughs> little pneumatic arms, you know, on like an SUV, how you can open up the, back hatch but then in some of the older models you could also open that glass window um that like pneumatic arm broke so like sometimes the window would just open while i was driving and stuff so <laughs> it had random issues so i'm like shoot you know i don't know what's happening with this thing what's going on finally thankfully i'm like taking it real cautious it's sputtering and doing all this weird stuff finally i see a gas station i'm like yes Thank the Lord, I can figure out what's wrong with it there. I pull in, pull up to the tank. As soon as I put the car in park, the the, the tank runs empty. I died right at the pump. <laughs> I was like, boy, that was lucky. You're one yeah, of those no people. There's oh, the, yeah. 
There's the, I'm a quarter down, I need to get gas now, and I know my car. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the crazy thing. It still said that there was a quarter of a tank when I ran out of gas. So, like, the gauge was broken at that point, which is why I was in that situation. Fair. I miss yeah. that. I miss that truck. Since we're on a long diatribe about the truck, we'll talk about the I death do. really briefly. And then I'll, I shouldn't say death because as far as I know, someone might still be driving it, but I found myself without a vehicle and this was not that many years ago. And Adam still had this car, which, you know, at this point had what? It had 250,000 miles on it when I bought it from you. I was kind of disappointed to an extent when I, I I was ready to get rid of it, but I was a little disappointed because I sold it to him at 299 or no, 199,000 miles. So I was not that far off from hitting That's the right. 200,000 mark. Because it was I 250 sold... when I sold it. Yeah, yep. Yep. So I found myself without a vehicle uh, because my previous car had died. And Adam was about ready to just push this one off to the side of the road and, you know, leave the title in the glove box and see what happened. And I was <laughs> like, look, I sure. will give you $1,000 for it. That was, you know, this is basically what I have, uh, you know, disposable right now. If you'll take it, I'll give you $1,000 for this car. And he graciously accepted. <laughs> and uh, I drove that car for three or four years and um like he said it had its weird quirks but it always kept running you could not it kill it and uh to that point it literally had rusted so bad that pieces would fall off the car like both side oh, rails were gone yeah. the trailer hitch was gone four-wheel drive no longer worked the back window was held in by duct tape parts and of the side paneling were falling because it's, it's important to note with this like one of the one of the really important things this was uh, the 94 Explorer. It was the last model year where they had everything steel. So it was a tank. But being that we were in Michigan, you know, the salt and all that rusted the crap out of everything. Uh, I had put plywood floors in it uh, over the floors <laughs> that were disappearing. And then... Um, <laughs> I mean, I have a, I, I talk lovingly about this car. I mean, I brought both my kids home from the hospital in this car. I absolutely loved it. Um, it, I was driving it to a meeting one day and, um, at the place where I work, uh, they have a conference room on a second floor and it has big glass windows so you can see the streets and all the stuff around it. And I pulled up and parallel parked and then I went to get out of the car and I opened the door and the door fell off. It was just completely rusted through, and the... It... Richard! <laughs> you can't close the door too well if you leave the oil can. That's a story for another day, but that that, that can happen too. I've seen that one happen. But um, uh, the door literally just, like, fell off, and it was just sitting there by, like, the wiring attachments. Like, there was no more hinge. It just, like, disintegrated. And... I, everybody, I was late to the meeting and everybody was standing at the window watching me park. <laughs> and so everyone saw the damn door fall off. 
<laughs> and uh, I proceeded to just leave it that way and go into my meeting. And then uh, to drive it home, I had someone push the door up against it. And then I hit the lock. And then I drove with the window down and my arm out the window holding the door the entire way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I drove the car home where I cut the door off. And then I proceeded to drive it that way for another two weeks nice. before deciding winter is coming. And I sold it to someone for $400. <laughs> hey, the fact that you could get $400 for that thing at that point was impressive. I probably could have gotten more, but I, w- I wanted it gone out of the driveway. <laughs> yeah. You probably could have donated and got a bigger tax write-off than 400 bucks, but... I, I needed oh. it gone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, that makes sense. Well, do you guys have any uh, final thoughts about trucks? I mean, Y2K? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I always wondered why, you know, why it was... Well, I get why it was called Y2K, but the nerd in me always wants to argue with people that Y2K should really be 2048 because it's 2K. True. True. Kilobytes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. one kilobyte is, or I should say, uh, a megabyte is uh, 124 kilobytes. Mm-hmm. So 2K would be 2048 bytes. Anyway, I apologize. <laughs> That's my final thought. It's always weirded me out. It's like 2K would be 2048, not 2000, but I get it. <laughs> Well, your whole explanation weirded me out, so. (laughs) Understood. And if you're still awake and listening, I hope you're having a great evening. (laughs) So I guess that wraps up our discussion on Y2K. We are now moving on to Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia Combat! Yes, I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is the closest will get to lead their chat next week. Paul has Teen Wolf and Brian has Mighty Max the TV series. Who will win? Only time will tell. Are you guys ready? Locked, cocked, and ready to rock. (laughs) Oh my, I'm just sort of ready. (laughs) Not quite that ready. (laughs) Okay, so as I previously mentioned... uh, so I had a different uh, different trivia question done, but uh, that one apparently made it its way into the factoids for our uh, show today. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. So I had to scramble and come up with a random trivia question here. So we are going to go back to the 1996 horror slasher film Scream. Uh, so in the movie Scream... How many people were killed? Who? The, what was the total body count for the uh, ghost face killer in the 1996 film Scream? Can I get 30 seconds to count with my fingers? <laughs> sure. And it's, it's just folks that the killer killed? Just the killer, yes. Mm. Is it sad that I'm trying to think of a character's name, but in my head she's just green sweater garage door woman? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, that's actually about perfect. <laughs> I'm going to go with 12. I'm still counting. I'm going to go with 8. 
Oh, man. Paul came really close. The total body count was seven. I Ooh. forgot the... Oh, because the... Because uh, Dewey lived. Yep, Dewey lived. Oh, yeah, that's a good Surpri- point. Surprise, surprise ending. Dewey lives at the end. <laughs> that's pretty good, though. That, that was impressive. Yeah. Well, I literally watched that movie a thousand times, so I wasn't joking that I was counting with my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace, Henry Winkler. Even though you're not dead, that was the saddest kill of the movie. (laughs) That was pretty sad. Didn't he get, like, uh, uh, stuck to the door or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. In his own office. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't he, like, threatening the killer, like, in his own reflection? Yeah. Like... Come get a piece of me, and then he turns around and gets killed. (laughs) (laughs) Guess he got a piece of you. That is my biggest fear in life, is that I will die in my office. (laughs) Not under those circumstances. I just don't (laughs) want to die at work. (laughs) You gotta take more time off. That's what you gotta do. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. I am the wiener. Wait, am I the winner? You are. I won. You, you are. <laughs> you are. I win. It's a race. I hope I win. So I will be leading us through the land of Teen Wolf. The loser, Brian, still has Mighty Max, the TV series, in his pocket. And now we need to visit the Hopper of Imagination to get Adam a new topic. That's me. We want to remind all of our listeners that if there is a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. All right, awesome. So, um, as always, I have gone to our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, and drawn three topics. Each topic is from a different category. I'm going to share those categories with Adam, and then he's going to let me know which one he wants, and then I'll tell him uh, which topic is associated with that category. Are you ready? Ready? Uh, Well, I'm not participating, but I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Excitable. Can I phone a friend? Excitatious. Um, you could, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Alright, then I'm ready. Uh, okay. Brian, I've got you on speed dial in case I need you. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Alright, so the options for categories are movie, events, or pop culture. Can I use my 50-50? No, because that's the only <laughs> <have> three <laughs> options. <laughs> You get just pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so movies, pop culture, and event. Event. Um, you know, I feel like I haven't done a movie in a while. I don't remember. I think it has been a while since we've done a movie. I think I'm going to take a movie. All right. So you have selected Dick Tracy. Heck yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm actually really excited. Dick Tracy was one of my favorite movies growing up, and uh, it was always my dream to have a watch I could talk to. That's right. Awesome. (laughs) Well, folks, I think that just about wraps up this episode, so be sure to check us out next time when Paul talks about Teen Wolf, and then in future episodes, I'll be talking about Mighty Max, the TV series, and Adam will be talking about Dick Tracy. Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. 
And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've We've got got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any throwback action. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing too at datedpodcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Thanks, guys. See you.